welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Amen. Guys, it's, it's, uh, it's good to be here. You know, today we wanted to do something a little bit different, um, kind of inspired by uh, uh, Rich Wilkerson and his, and his wife, Don Shree. I don't know if you guys listen to, to their preachings. Um, but what they do like once a month is they do like a, like a husband and wife, like co-preaching. And I just kind of had an idea. I was like, man, we should, we should do that for the fine art service. And so here we are. We're just going to kind of try it and we'll see how it, how it goes. Um, but we want to talk about this morning really about fine arts and, and, and what it is and what it does. Um, the uh, textbook definition of fine arts is a discipleship tool designed to help students discover deploy and uh, I'm sorry, discover, develop and deploy their, their gifts. And can I just tell you, man, when I was a kid before fine arts growing up in church, I had a very narrow minded view of what ministry was to me. Ministry was you preach a sermon and, and, and you sing on the worship team and maybe you, you know, teach Sunday school. That was, that was kind of it for me. That was ministry. So I didn't really want to get involved in ministry because I didn't want to do any of those things when I was a kid. And then when I got into fine arts, I, my eyes really opened up to what ministry could be. Ministry could be me telling a story. It could be me writing. It could be, uh, be me drawing something. It could be me in the workplace, you know, making a business plan. I mean, uh, a ministry is really anything that brings glory to God, whether it's done in the church or outside of church. And fine arts really opened up um, that opportunity, my, my eyes, to understand what ministry could be. And so just a little background on myself. Um, I've been coming to this church since I was in fifth grade. Um, my mom would send us every Sunday with my uncle. And um, I didn't, I came because my mom made me come. So parents, if your students are like, I don't want to come, still make them come because God will still do what he has to do, right? Um, so, so she would make us come every Sunday and we would try the, all of the excuses like, oh, mom, I can't find my shoes. And she would look us dead in the eye and say, well, I guess you're going without shoes. And she would still send us, right? So I didn't have that relationship. I was only coming because my mom was making me come. And it wasn't until ninth grade um, that I went to a youth convention with the youth group and I finally uh, encountered God and I finally had that relationship with Christ. And uh, from there, I started doing more things with the youth and fine arts was one of those things that we did. And at the time, obviously, I was on fire for God. I wanted to do anything and everything that would please him. So I was like, definitely, let's try fine arts. Um, But I didn't really understand... the impact that ministry had on other people. I understood, you know, that it was something for God, but I didn't understand how it impacted other people for his kingdom. Can I just, can I just say that during the time where she started getting like on fire for God and she started getting involved in the church, I looked at her and I was like, wow, who is this woman? How can I get her in my life? (laughs) Guys, and you know, your pastor, right? Always with the girlfriends. When he was eyeballing me during this time, he had a girlfriend. So... That's your pastor, guys. I was like 12 years old. I still remember it. It's not a serious it. relationship. Anyways, uh, so I, I, think, I think fine arts, guys, for, for me, for my generation, um, it, it was something that, that became, number one, something that really united us as a youth group. I remember, I mean, we would spend hours here, Sunday after Sunday, um, practicing for fine arts, and then we didn't want to leave 
each other's side. So we just we just got we became a really close knit um, youth group. And, and that and also it really sparked our creativity because you guys, I just want to let y'all know, y'all have a y'all have a pretty good pastor who writes y'all scripts for y'all. Uh, we, I didn't have that. Okay. We, we had to, we had to get here. Um, every Sunday we're just, we had a clean surface and we're like, okay, what are we going to, what are we going to do? Uh, what, what are we going to, you know, what's the skit going to be about? What's the human video going to be about? And we would just kind of bounce ideas off each other. So that's, um, that's what fine arts kind of did for, for me and my, um, generation. What we want to do this morning is we want to talk about each of these three aspects uh, of fine arts, which is once again, to discover, develop, and deploy. This isn't just like a slogan made to to sound uh, make to uh, makes fine art sound better. It's it's actually a reality. Each of these aspects are realities of a young person, and maybe not even a young person, but anyone who is finding their calling in God. So today we're going to be reading from Jeremiah chapter one verses uh, four through ten, which reads like this. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you." Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Um, this, this passage, Melissa sent it to me like uh, a couple weeks ago, and she said, is, is this a good one for, for the fine arts uh, sermon? And I was like, yeah. I think so, because it really encompasses every aspect of, of discover, develop, and deploy. And we see right there in verse 5, where it says, Before I formed you in the, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. This is the point where Jeremiah, he, he, he's in his discovery phase, right? He, he, know, he discovers that he has a purpose. He might not know what it is yet, but he knows that, that there's something there, that God is calling him to something. And I remember when I was in fine arts, guys, I, uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I sang a song that, that very first uh, year. I was, I was 12 years old. I didn't advance to nationals. Um, I thought my life was over. I thought my career was over before it even started. I, I didn't want anything to do with ministry. Um, Abby came out here and, like, killed it. He's, like, 11 years old, right? Uh, yeah, he, he got married. I, I didn't even advance to nationals my first year. But I remember going home and... Uh, this was in the the fine arts festival was in Waxahachie it was in Dallas it was a little bit a little bit bigger back then and I didn't, we didn't have a youth group my first year it was just me and my parents so that made it even more sad that whole three hour drive me just kind of contemplating what am I going to do with my life I thought I was going to be a singer and and I can't even sing according to the judges and um, I got over it. And the next year I came back and I did like eight categories eight different categories I signed up for w- once again including singing. Um, and most of those categories, most of those things that I participated in, I, I don't even do today. I have no, I'm not good at them. I, I, I shouldn't have been doing it back then. But you know what? It's okay because I was in my discovery process. I was finding what, what God wanted for me. And, and so 
Today, some of you might be, and I'm not just talking to young people, I'm talking to everybody. You might be in, a, in this discovery process, you know? Um, I think God is constantly calling us to be, uh, to, to discover the next step. And when I was a kid before fine arts, man, being a pastor, guys, was nowhere near my radar. I had no desire to be a pastor. Can I just say amen to that, Pastor Ryan? Because sometimes when I think about it, I feel a little bit conned because when we were thinking about getting married and we, and even when we got married, he swore he would never be a pastor. Well, I feel kind of conned by God because I didn't think I was going to be a pastor either. Hold hold on. I'm not done. (laughs) And, and me and my really good friend in college, we swore two things. Uh, We swore one, that we would never be pastor's wives. And that, too, we would never be missionaries. And we were so dead serious about this. Um, We were even, like, a little, like, why would you want to do that? And now we are both pastor's wives, guys. We're both pastor's wives. And now, through the Go Movement, Ryan has started doing missionary work through Africa. And I have to say that I am really getting scared, guys, because God's got jokes. So never say never. Yeah, we might might be moving to Africa soon. I don't know. Uh, Anyways, before you interrupted me... uh, I think had God called me to to be a pastor when I was 12 years old, before I had discovered any other ministry, um, I would have ran away completely from the ministry because I I had no desire to be a pastor. And I was was truly able to see kind of God's hand unfold as as he allowed me to discover different aspects of, of my ministry. And that's, guys, that's what God does, man. When you allow him to speak into your life, it's, it's not... It's not that you're saying yes to a specific calling. It's that you're saying yes to God. You're saying, you're saying yes, God, whatever you want me to do, I am, I'm there. He doesn't even need to tell you what it is yet, right? I, I think about the prophet Samuel, uh, Samuel. God didn't call him to be a prophet right away. He just called Samuel. And it was so obscure, he didn't even know what, what, who, who it was. Um, and then God began began to do a, a work in, in his life. So I think, you know, this, this age for, for young people and this ministry of fine arts, is, it's so crucial uh, to the discovery process. Yes, and God has given his children authority, right? He has set us apart from the very beginning to do his will. And what is his will? We probably question that all the time, but it's very simple. God's will is for us to bring people to the kingdom of God. Amen. So that we would acknowledge who he is as our God, our provider, and our great defender. He is the great I am, and our job as believers is to share who he is with others in whatever method that may be. Um, and fine arts really helps us to discover those methods. Um, the, next, the next part of the passage where Jeremiah is making excuses, I can really relate to you guys. Mm. If you, if preach, you know me. Um, so Jeremiah is going through a de- development process, right? And as he's going through this development um, process, God is molding him. Um, and and Jeremiah's, he's mold, God is molding him and Jeremiah keeps on making the excuses. He keeps bringing the excuses. But God is telling Jeremiah, don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry about who you're not or who others think you're not because I will give you everything that you lack. Everything that you need, I will give you. And I can't tell you guys how many times God has whispered something. It's about to get personal, guys. Uh, How many times God has whispered something in my heart or sent a prophet to give me a word. um, And and I've just, you know, rejected the word altogether. And have you guys ever asked God for confirmation on something? 
and then God gives you confirmation and he gives it to you very specifically, like there's no way you can doubt that that was God, but then you still have the audacity to be like, no, that wasn't God, it wasn't God, because I said this exactly, and it's so specific, but you're still making the excuses, right? Uh, let Let me give you an example. Uh, So back when I was a substitute teaching, some of you know that I was substitute teaching for a while, Um, I was considering becoming a teacher, um, and this lovely man, I convinced him to let me spend $600 on a teaching program. Still waiting to get paid back. (laughs) Anyways, and um, I was doing it, like, right, I was in it, I was invested, and I was already doing the, um, the hours that the program required for me to substitute teach so that I could get my teaching hours, and, um... During this whole time, I was crying out to God and I was asking him, God, is, you know, tell me what you want me to do because I don't want to take yet another job, um, another job where I'm fine two weeks and then two weeks pass and then I'm like, oh, God, I want to quit. I don't want this. Like, God, I want to be in your will so that way I know the next thing I do is from you, right? Um, so, and during this time when I was crying out to God, um, uh, uh, Tim and Maddie McCain came to speak at our church. This was a few years back. Um, And they weren't living in Houston at the time, so we weren't hanging out with them. They didn't know what I was, uh, what I was thinking, what I was going through. Um, and uh, after the service, I came to the front, and Maddie came to pray over me. And uh, she gave me a very specific word. Remember. There's no way. Like I didn't. I'm not the kind of person who's gonna the kind of person who's gonna put on social media like, guys, you know, pray for me because I'm really like that's not me. I, some people are like that's great, but I'm just very private. I'm a private person. Um, so this word was from God, and I there was no denying it. Right? She came and she prayed and, and she said this. Um, I remember because right afterwards I went to my car crying and had to write this all down. Um, but she said, "I see the label teacher, but not in the way you're thinking." You were created to be a teacher for this moment. You will see his oil overflowing. I'm going to cry, guys. Okay. Um, You will see his oil overflowing. You're going to teach his word. You've been feeling like you've been living in the shadow of someone else's ministry. But God hasn't put you in the shadow. He's just been preparing you for this time. You're not just duct tape, a quick fix for the problem. You were created for this, to be in the light where you're uncomfortable. And I can't tell you guys how many times that word has been spoken over my life, and that wasn't the first time, and it wasn't the last time. Um, But like we all do, or like a lot of us do, we reject it, or we say it wasn't from God, or or you may flat out say, sorry, God, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not the one, right? Um, But God continued to send people my way, and he continued to send people my way who had no idea what I was going through, who had no idea that um, the anxiety that creeps up in my mind every time I have to speak up in front of people, or who who didn't know that um, I would rather be doing anything else than showing my vulnerability to you guys right now, because like I said, I'm a very private person. Um, So these people had no idea, and God kept sending them. He kept sending them my way. and of course, we, we want to reject that, ro- that word, right? When it doesn't agree with what we want. Um, so these were coming, and I was rejecting it. But then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Guys, we have been called. Man, that's, 
That's powerful. <clears throat> that's powerful. Um, and that's, I think, we're talking about development right, right now, and I think development is it's probably the hardest part for people because um, there's a lot of restraint, right? There's a lot of restraint in the development process. There's a lot of unwillingness. There's a lot of uh, stubbornness that God has to put up with and, and excuses that we make. And, um, but at the end of the day, if we're truly seeking God, I mean, he's, we're going to end up surrendering to him anyway, right? Um, you, you said something um, that I want to ask you. you. You said you wrote, you wrote down the word. Um, why, why did you feel the need to, to write that word down? Like if it wasn't, you weren't really excited about it, right? Like you didn't go like really excited to the car. Like, oh, let me write this word down. I can't wait till this happens. You were, you were like depressed. <laughs> like, why did you write it down? Okay. I wasn't depressed guys. I was just in a moment. Um, no, I wrote it down because I couldn't deny as much as I didn't want the word for me. I couldn't deny that it was directly from God. Like I said, it was very specific. And I've heard many people say that if God gives you a word, write it down because as crazy as that word may seem in that time, you're, you may not be ready at that time, but when you write it down, you can, once God takes you from point A to point B, you can go back and look and see that that was in fact God because that was the word that was spoken over your life. And you can, it, it's just great to be able to see how God works. Man, I'm sorry. Your car? Um, I, I had no idea she was crying in her car, okay? Had I known, I would have been there holding your hand. We would have been crying together. <laughs> Um, and it wasn't tears of joy. Like you, you were, you were crying like, because you were sad. <laughs> like, you, like I, I, I'm trying to understand because like, no, if, if I get a word and I, and I, I don't like it, it hurts me. I kind of want to reject it. I'm, I'm just going to like tune it out and be like, no, that, that wasn't God. Um, I'm not going to go in my like distraught, you know, state and, and, and go and, be obedient. <laughs> um, so like I said, it was a word from God. I couldn't, I couldn't deny it. And it wasn't the first time that I had heard it. And like I said, it wasn't the last. So I was finally starting to, to be obedient. And I said, okay, well, let me write this word down. Um, but more so in that moment, I could truly feel the love of God because he had answered a direct prayer. It wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I wanted to hear, but I couldn't deny that he had answered my prayer and that he cared enough to send someone my way to answer my prayer. And, and looking back, looking back at that, I, I believe that that was the beginning of my breaking process. Um, development hurts guys. Development hurts. And, and maybe that's where you're at right now. You're, you're in the development phase and it hurts because um, you know, God, God says, come as you are right. And Jesus, he, he opens up his arms to us, however we are. Uh, but the moment he wants to start deploying us and he wants to start using us, it oftentimes requires a certain mold that we have to fit that nine times out of 10, we don't fit at first. And so, you know, the more God develops us, the more it hurts. And I can, I can vouch for everything that, that Melissa was saying, um, I knew that I knew that at some point I was going to share this testimony. I didn't. I didn't know when it was going to happen. Today just feels right. Um, everyone knows my hesitation, right? You guys know my hesitation to be be the pastor, and um, I had I had been kind of stubborn to it, making excuses for for a while. When I first kind of started feeling the call, I didn't want to do it at first. But a couple of years ago, I finally kind of just 
surrendered my will to God and I said, okay, God, I'm on board. I'm ready to do, you know, whatever you want me to do. Um, if it's pastoring in this season, then I'll, then I'll pastor. I left the excuses behind. I, I kind of hung up the stubbornness. And I was there. I was ready. But there was one aspect in my life that I wasn't completely comfortable with. And that's that I didn't want my family to suffer because I felt the need to be a pastor when my wife wasn't on board. Um, I've, I've always believed that, you know, God should be above everything, right? God is number one, um, but, but family is number two. Um, and, and, and family goes above ministry. That's why Paul even tells his brothers, hey, guys, it's better for you guys not to get married so you can really, you know, dive into ministry. Um, because if you do get married, that's going to be your priority. And so um, I remember being, we were in Olive Garden at a parking lot. That was probably our first mistake. We went to Olive Garden. Wasn't even that good. Uh, but we were, we were there in the parking lot, and we were kind of having a little bit of an argument um, because I was, I was telling her, babe, um, so, like, yeah, like in two years, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the pastor. I already had a conversation with my dad, and she was like, well, well I wasn't in the conversation. And, um, and she just, basically she was just telling me that she wasn't there. She wasn't there. She was not on board. She didn't want to be a pastor's wife. She definitely didn't want to be a pastor. Um, and so I felt conflicted very conflicted. It, it was ugly because on one hand, I, I wanted to pursue my calling and, and whatever God was wanting me to do. I wanted to say yes to it. But on the other hand, I, I didn't want to neglect the feelings of, of my wife because as much as I make fun of her in my sermons, I really do love my wife. Uh, I, I love my family. And, and so I was very conflicted. And I remember a very specific prayer that I made to God. I, I kind of gave God an ultimatum. And I said, God, um, I don't know how you're going to do this, but in less than two years, I'm supposed to be taking the, the, the next pastoral position at, at, at our church. And you know this already because you called me to it. And I said, God, if I can't pastor with my wife, I'm not going to do it. I just told him like that. And um, I, I, I respect some people that they, they do it alone. That's all good. But I, I just didn't feel right. I didn't want to do it by myself. And so I just, I completely left it up to get to to God. And again, I had no hope. I had no hope that she was ever going to get there because I had tried, man. I had tried speaking into her life. I had tried encouraging her. I had tried edifying her. For the record, guys, during this time, I'm still a Christian. I didn't lose my salvation. He's making it sound like I'm this horrible demon. I was about to say, I tried getting her saved. I was still a Christian during this time. I just didn't want to be a pastor. For sure. For sure. (laughs) But um, like I was saying, I was, I, I tried everything. To, to get her there so that we could be on board. Um, and she wasn't. So I remember just being in the car by myself with God. And I said, God, you do it. You do it. I don't know how you're going to do it. Honestly, I had no faith that it was going to happen. And look at where we're at right now. She's on stage. Her biggest fear. And she's, she stepped in to her calling. I don't know how he did it, but he, he did it. He did it. And just to add to that, during this time, um, God continued to send people my way uh, to speak life in me and lift me up as well. So it wasn't just Ryan trying to speak life into me, but other people were doing it as well. And these people didn't know the emotional and mental struggle that I was going through. Um, they, they knew that the season was coming. 
Um, they knew that uh, Ryan was um, soon to be pastor, but they didn't really know how badly or how much it was affecting me um, emotionally and uh, and mentally. And uh, some people were were coming up to me and they were calling me pastor. And some people they were doing it. Some people were doing it in a way because they knew it was my hot button and they liked to push it. I won't say who they were, but they know who they are. And uh, some people were coming to me, and they were calling me pastor as well, but they were doing it in a way that spoke life into me. They were doing it in a way that I could see that they saw the promise that God had placed inside of me, and they were trying to speak life into that promise. Um, so your, your words have power, guys. Your words have power. You can shape and mold someone's ministry by the power of your tongue, guys. Yeah. Um, I, I remember the first time she, not the first time, but it was after she had started picking up the offering and she's, you know, she kind of started kind of stepping into, um, you know, a, a role that, that was kind of authoritative. She was, she was speaking authority. I remember being behind the keyboard once and she, she said something and I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was so powerful. And it was in that moment where she, where she said it. She said it like a preacher. And I remember being behind the keyboard. And I, just started, I just started crying like a little baby because I remembered that conversation that I had in the car with, with God. Like, God, I don't know. How are you going to do it? She's probably never going to want to step on stage. And, and that was just, it was, it was just uh, amazing to me. It, it is amazing what God can do when you just give him control. Amen. Um, so... Parents, leaders, I mean, any, anyone, if you see a person, guys, in the development stage, which I think we're constantly in, speak life into them. Build them up. I mean, like, go out of your way to edify them because your words can be the difference between someone's deployment and someone's abandonment, which leads me. Yes, that's, that's good. Which leads us to the last point, deployment. So verse 10 says, see, I have this day, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. I don't know about you guys, but what stands out to me in this verse is the phrase throw down. Anyone? Anyone? It's because you're, you're from the hood, It's because I'm from the hood, guys. Yeah. So, so at this point, you have discovered who you are in Christ, right? You have allowed God to develop you and, and develop the calling he has placed over your life. And now he's unleashing you to throw down, guys. So if your stronghold is fear, like myself and Jeremiah, then fear knows that he has to hold on for dear life. Because once fear lets go, we're ready to throw down, right, guys? It's time. It's time. Once fear lets go, we're going to throw down. And God has marked a territory in this, in this earth that has your name on it. Your name on it. And only you can reach those people. Amen. Um, so once, you, once you've deployed, you are fighting for all of those who still have that stronghold. You're fighting, and you, you better fight hard, guys. Yes. Deployment puts you in a, in a certain state of mind. Um, because when, when, you're, when you're there, you've already accepted the call, you've been developed, and you're out in the field. Um, it doesn't mean that you're, you're still not going to be exposed to fear. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be exposed to, to stress or doubt or any of those things. It just puts you in a mental position where you know that because God is 
put me in, in this place, I'm not going to allow these things to keep me from, from what God has called me to do. So if we keep going with fear for a moment, I think fear is one of the biggest obstacles that, that people have uh, to, to get to that deployment stage. If you allow fear to dictate what you're going to do, you'll never do anything because you'll always be afraid. And, but when you step into the deployment phase, again, it's not that you're never going to experience fear, um, but it's that you made the conscious decision to not let it affect your destiny. Or maybe it's stress. And the more, you know, the more that you get on your plate, the more stressed out you get and you want to you wanna quit. In deployment mode, you've, made, you've, you've come to expect stress. It's a part of the process. But you keep going because, like the word says, it's time to throw down. So you know, if it's stress, so be it. If it's fear, so be it. If it's lacking in finances because I quit my job to pursue a calling that hasn't bared any fruit yet, so be it. I'm in my deployment phase. I'm out here. I'm, I, if I go back, I'll have wasted all the time that it took for me to discover and develop my, my, my gifts. This is, this is the moment. If you're in this phase of deployment, man, just, just run with it, man. Run with it. Keep going. Amen, guys. We need to get to a point where we finally say, you know what? We're all in. Uh, where we completely trust in the fact that God is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he's going to do. We just need to get to that point. And we like, if you're like me, I like to make plans. I like to, you know, buy a hundred uh, planners. <laughs> Oh, that's right. <laughs> They're so cute, guys. I like to buy 100 planners, and I like to write in all of my plans. Why? Because it makes you feel safe, right? It makes you feel safe when you know what's coming next, right? But God doesn't work like that, and we need to get that out of our head. God sees the bigger picture, guys. He knows that he created you with everything that you need. You already have it. The only thing that's stopping you is you, guys. God is with you. You, you have everything you need. Amen. Amen. Um, we're about to we're about to wrap up. You know, today's conversation it wasn't it was much less about you know fine arts festivals, much more about just stepping into your calling. Um, fine arts is a, is a really great tool to help young people get there, but you know it, it's maybe fine arts isn't for you. Maybe you're you're a little older. You're you're past the age of eighteen. It doesn't mean that God isn't calling you to new things, man. And um, you know I don't know what what mode you're in this morning, but just know that God wants to get you to that deployment stage every single time. Uh, I, I read this, this verse last week that I just want to read again. It's uh, Ephesians 2.10, which says, for we is, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think that this very simple verse, it really encompasses this entire moment that Jeremiah was passing through. He was a part of God's creation, right? Just like you and I are. He was created for a a specific purpose, to do good works like we all are, which God prepared for him beforehand. Church, you are a walking promise. You are a walking promise. The only thing that we need to do is answer the call of God, develop it, and deploy. Amen. Amen, guys. We want to do, um, or I, w- I would like to do a special altar call for anyone who feels like they're in this development stage. You've already said, okay, yes, God, I know you're calling me. Yes, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender to you. I'm going to try my best to surrender to you. I know I'm stubborn, but I know that you're calling me, and I want to begin the breaking process. 
So if you're here this morning and you would like us to pray for you, because I, I know this breaking process is hard, guys. It's really, really hard. Um, but if I have, if you have, if anyone wants to stand up. Why don't we, we stand this morning, church? <clears throat> if anyone wants to come and, and receive prayer for that, I'd love to pray with you guys. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.